Hello, I'm Shelly Till. Welcome to the Too Much Grit to Quit podcast, where I speak to some of the greatest athletic minds about overcoming adversity and building your grit muscle. My guest today is an icon amongst the University of Iowa Hawkeye fans. He is affectionately known as Hawkeye Elvis. Welcome, Greg Sukow. How are you? I'm great, Shelly. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. For those of you who are listening on the podcast and not seeing the video, Hawkeye Elvis is in full Hawkeye Elvis gear, minus the suit, minus the yeah. suit. But I appreciate yeah. you showing up on this St. Patty's Day to join me on the podcast. Yeah, well, I've got a green shirt. Uh, it's currently on uh, Mannequin Ryan Creener. Uh, where's Ryan? There he is. It's on Mannequin Ryan Creener right now, so uh, I'll put that on later today. Uh, so I do have a little bit of green, at least in the room. I'm so glad that Ryan made the uh, an appearance. Maybe we'll get him to talk later. We'll see what we can do. Hey, uh, speaking of St. Patty's Day, how Irish is Hawkeye Elvis? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think very. Um, you know, green is not a color that Hawkeye Elvis uh, would typically uh, don, uh, especially with teams like Michigan State in the conference and things like that. So, uh, but absolutely, uh, absolutely happy to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And you are coming to us on the St. Patty's Day. Normally, you live in in the Twin Cities, correct? I do. Yep. So. You're in Indianapolis. I love that you went there. Obviously, you went there for the Big Ten tournament. Um, mm -hmm. Tell the fans what the plans are for you for the next month. Um, you know, I'm I'm here for the long haul. I'm fortunate that, uh, like a lot of people who can work remotely for their job, uh, that I'm able to do that as well. Uh, I'm, I am taking uh, a few days off here and there to uh, stay here in Indianapolis, and I'm going to go to every single Iowa game until until there aren't any Iowa games left to go to. So uh, really looking forward to Iowa's first game on Saturday, uh, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's this, it's the smallest gym out of all the venues uh, here in town. It only holds 6,500 people. So it'll have that, that Sanford Pentagon smaller gym feel to it, uh, which is kind of cool. But for me personally, uh, Elvis actually performed there in 1972. So for me to walk into a building dressed as Elvis in a building where he performed that's still standing is just, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. That's awesome. You got to make sure you get lots of pictures of that. I'm sure there's a picture of him somewhere in the, in the arena as well that you can. Oh yeah. And I've, I've got a couple, I'm going to wait and post them either uh, Friday or Saturday. So as I get ready to go up there. So cool. Well, as a basketball junkie myself, I'm totally jealous that you are there and I'm still in Iowa with snow on the ground. <laughs> let's, let's go back though. How did you, become such a big Hawkeye fan and and what was the transition into becoming Hawkeye Elvis? Well it, it starts with my mom uh, on a couple of fronts. One she was a big Elvis fan uh, and when I was a kid growing up I would listen to her uh, Elvis 78 and I'll, I'll explain that for the people who who aren't old like me Shelly and, and know what a 78 is. So records would come in like the 33 and a third which is the big album size. Uh, the singles were called the 45 and then there was a 78 which was you know, even a little bit different. So I, I would listen to all my mom's Elvis records. So I was a fan growing up. Uh, and I'm also from Iowa. I'm from a little town called Ogden, which uh, ironically is about 20 miles from Ames. Um, but when you, won't you grow up, that against you. yeah, when you grow up in the state of Iowa, you, without any pro teams, you like one of one of two schools. You like the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones. And most of my friends were Cyclone fans, but I also grew up in an era where Lou Olson was the basketball coach and Hayden Fry was the football coach. So they were on and, uh, you know, had some great teams back in those days. And it was just something that I was drawn to as someone who loves sports anyway. So uh, I've had season football tickets since 2000 and 
four. And then when Fran got the job, uh, I added basketball to the mix. But one year I'm at a football game and I see all these people, it's Halloween, and all these people are wearing these fabulous Hawkeye themed costumes. I went back to my mom's house and I said, can you make me an Elvis jumpsuit that's Hawkeye themed? And she goes, well, yeah, sure. So the next year was another Halloween game and uh, I showed up wearing a black and gold jumpsuit and wig and sunglasses and, and people loved it and thought it was great. So then I wore it to one basketball game that season. Uh, and then the next year I would wear it to two football games and two basketball games. And then more times than not, if I wouldn't be dressed up at the game, the people sitting around me go, well, how come Elvis isn't here today? We, we need Elvis here. So uh, that was the sort of genesis of it. And it's, you know, having, having you know, seats that are close to the, the field of the floor uh, and, and being a big guy who's dressed as Elvis, it's not hard to spot me a lot of times. So I've, I've had the good fortune of, uh, of being some uh, sort of the backdrops from some great Hawkeye moments. What have been some of the craziest stories you've experienced as Hawkeye Elvis? Um, well, it, it, where it really sort of took off for me, uh, just from, I, I never set out for it. I tell people, I never set out for it to become what it is. I just, I thought it'd be fun to dress up as Elvis and go to a game. Um, but when I went to uh, the North Carolina game for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and I uh, went with three friends, two of whom were Iowa uh, grads, and the third one is a North Carolina grad. And he wanted to show, you know, we found out we were playing each other. You know, we all had to get together and go down there. And we got seats right behind the basket. Um, and in that game, Mike Gazelle uh, broke a tie late, drove in, got fouled, landed at my feet because we were in the front row behind the basket. And so I jumped up and I'm pointing and celebrating. And uh, after the game, we're walking back to the hotel. And one of my friends goes, Craig, you've got to see this picture. And it's the picture of me in the background celebrating with uh, Adam Woodbury and Jared Utah and Mike Gazelle. And, and it, <laughs> that picture kind of went viral and just it's grown from there. So that was, uh, that was a great one. Um, it's funny because for football games, um, more so for basketball, just because there's so much more time before the games to sort of wander around and tailgate and whatnot. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, moms and grandmas are more excited to see me dressed as Elvis than maybe some of the college kids are. And I've had folks go up and say, I saw Elvis live and in concert in 1970 and you look just like him. And uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, you know, I enjoy it. The people seem to like it. And, uh, uh, I'll, you know, it's one, you know, I, I certainly get some looks and some comments from people. So. Well, that's kind of the fun of it all. And you're, you always take it in jest and I love your responses. I, that picture resurfaced here recently. The one you're talking about with Adam Woodbury and Mike Gasell on Twitter. That was hilarious. Yeah. It, uh, well, it's back that we played North Carolina again this year, um, you know, and unfortunately with it being uh, this season, uh, not being able to have the fans in there uh, has been hard. Uh, I have been fortunate to uh, attend a few Hawkeye games in person, um, you know, via family uh, and friend connections. Um, but I can tell you one thing, though, it's, it's weird listening to a game this season. You probably saw this, I don't know when you saw Riley play, but it just was a different feel. Uh, you can hear everything in the gym, both good and bad. Um, but what was but what was cool about Iowa playing Friday last Friday against Wisconsin, and for the first time, fans could be in there. You know, it was limited capacity, but there were still fans in there. And to see the looks on the players' faces as they walked off the floor, to to see the acknowledgement and the cheers and support they were getting from people, I, you could just see the joy that it created in these guys and how much it meant to them. Yeah, I think that. People don't quite understand that um, 
outside of athletics. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've you know, lived through that this season with Riley tra- uh, after he graduated from Iowa and then now being out at Cal Poly and their conference wouldn't let anyone in, not even parents. So, you know, I went out to Vegas for their conference tournament, wouldn't allow people in that either. And so I literally, Hawkeye Elvis, sat in Vegas for four days <laughs> in a hotel room uh, outside occasionally. It wasn't the greatest weather so that I could be there when his career ended. And right. so I sat there for four days to see him for two hours. Oh. Um, but, it, it, but the hug was totally worth it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, which brings me to the point because this is really, uh, as I was saying, like, I don't think people realize everything that has been sacrificed by these young men and women in college sports across the board all season long. I mean, we're literally on a year plus of this pandemic and regulations and lockdowns and quarantining and all this crap going on. And so everyone's had to, you know, to adjust and, and make sacrifices. I don't think any more than in athletics than the players themselves. Uh, I saw, and I'm sure you did this morning too. I know Jordan Bohannon is very vocal on Twitter. Um, I don't know about you, but I love it because I think he stands up for the way most athletes feel. But then there's that, you know, those naysayers out there that will get on him about, oh, shut up, you're playing college sports, you have a tournament this year, you're on scholarship, you know, all that kind of stuff, as if that is, that negates the experience that they're having. Well, and not not just that, but it's, you know, does that define Jordan as who he is as a person? Is that the only facet of him as an individual? Uh, Is that the only facet of, of any of these guys? They are literally, so by that, by that logic, they're only there to uh, play basketball for our entertainment and nothing else. And everything that they should be focused on is that. And it's, it, that's not how life works. Um, and, and I love Jordan and he's been great. And again, just the, you know, one of his greatest qualities is he absolutely does not care uh, about sort of uh, breaking some of the, you know, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to upset the NCAA uh, with some of their rules and regulations. Um, but, you know, building off that, I just got done watching Iowa's press conference uh, this morning, and they were talking, I mean, here's the regimen that they have. They can go to practice, which consists of them walking uh, a block to the convention center. They've got a weight room and a practice court, uh, and they can walk back to their hotel rooms. And even and when they're doing that, they are escorted from the elevator, from their floor, to practice, and back. Uh, and then they sit... If, if they need to leave their room to get ice, that's it. Um, and it's, I mean, uh, it, it's unfortunate that that's, you know, what they have to be doing uh, in order to play and, and move forward safely. But if you don't think that's not taking a toll on the rest of these guys as people, then I don't know what to tell you because, I, you know, like a lot of us, we've all been cooped up and, and it's taken a toll on me and it's taken a toll on you and everybody else. And then to have the added pressure of, oh, well, you should only be focusing on the game. Well, okay, I did that for six hours today. I have literally nothing else to do. Hey, person on the internet, what should I be doing with my time? Should I be talking with my friends over social media or playing a video? Oh, I can't do that. I'm supposed to focus on the game. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Opinions are like, you know what? Everybody has one. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about this game. So yeah. I know first round, we've got Grand Canyon 
-hmm. is it Grand Canyon University out of the Phoenix yep. area? Um, yep. What's your, what's your take on this? I mean, I know it's a, you know, you got a two fifteen game here and everybody's automatically thinking and assuming Iowa wins it. Um, but I, I, I've been in this place as a parent, as a coach, as a player, you don't take anything for granted. You're always going to get, especially, uh, a team like that who hasn't been on the big stage, who, who doesn't have every one of their games on national TV, you're going to get their best. Right. And, and they have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. Um, and I, and Fran said this earlier when talking about it, you know, nothing's a given, you know, there are no, there are no upsets in the tournament. Um, teams are going to bring their best and we certainly have a target on our back uh, in our region. Um, they're, they're very well coached. Uh, their coach knows a thing or two about being an underdog and pulling a huge upset. In uh, uh, Bryce Drew, who, right. you know, as a as a player at Valpo years ago, knocked right. off Old Miss on a three pointer at the buzzer. So, uh, they're, Valpo play. Yeah, they're they're well coached. Uh, they've got uh, a couple of guys with the size to match up with Luca. Um, they've got good athletes, and if if they didn't have good athletes, they certainly wouldn't be playing Division One basketball. They wouldn't have won their conference uh, regular season and tournament. Um, you know, where I think Iowa has the advantage there is the depth of, uh, of not just the starting five, but being able to bring in somebody off the bench, like, like Joe Toussaint, uh, like bringing in Patrick for stretches like that. And, and, uh, just having guys that can come in and spell for a few minutes and let's face it, our bench guys could, could start at some of these other schools. You tell me Patrick McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint couldn't start at, uh, at Grand Canyon. I think they'd be wrong. Um, but I think mm -hmm. that's really where um, our size and our depth are really going to be an advantage, especially for these these early round games against these teams that, that have great athletes and good coaches, um, but maybe not the sort of depth to uh, go toe to toe with us for, for 40 minutes. How about looking forward? Because you and I can look forward because we're not yeah. on the team. Uh, looking forward to that potential second round matchup. You know, they get a little dicier as you go along. They do, you know, and I've watched, I haven't seen a lot of Pac-12 basketball and I know Oregon's good and they were upset in their uh, Pac-12 title game, but I watched the VCU uh, St. Bonaventure game and and they're solid. Again, they're, you know, the Atlantic 10 is, uh, you know, you talk about grit, that's, you know, that's a great conference. You got to come and roll up your sleeves and bring the lunch pail and fight every night for 40 minutes. Um, you know, I think they've got, that's, and, and you know this too, the further you go in and the lower number uh, seed that's in front of that team, not only do they have uh, really good to great athletes, they have more of them. Uh, and that's, I think, what you see. You know, you're, you know, the 15 seed is going to have a couple of guys you got to worry about. Uh, the, the 7 or 10 seed, well, maybe there's one or two more guys you got to worry about from a team standpoint. So uh, as those seed numbers drop, they just have more athletes uh, and more matchup problems for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I think that... Uh especially on the men's side of the game, the seeds really are insignificant. And yep. there, is, there is so much, you hear the word all the time this time of year, parody, but it really is true. Um, you Absolutely. Know, you, can, you can pull in a mid-major or even a, a lower uh, conference, if you will, and, and they can knock anybody off. It's why we saw the Virginia get beat a couple years ago. Um, also, in terms of what do you think – when you look at this Hawkeye team and the big 10 hands down, don't even come at me. People was the hardest conference in basketball this season. Easy. No question. No question yeah. about it. And you know, you saw that in the, in the big 10 tournament. First of all, my first question for you is who do you think has emerged as Iowa's number one rival slash nemesis? 
Um, it's got to be Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and it's a, it's a fun rivalry because it used to be back in the day. Um, those those late '80s teams against Illinois would battle and fight and claw, and it was a brawl. And uh, our game last Saturday against Illinois was a brawl. If you look at the last like three or four matchups that we've had with them, they've all been close, hard fought um, contests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and right down and and they really we just really don't like each other. No. Uh, nothing I think symbolizes that more than that picture of Connor and uh, uh, Demonte Williams. Uh, you know. Forehead to forehead, you know, going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that picture to me symbolizes that rivalry. And it's, it's fun being a border battle. Uh, that, that one, I think, has stepped up and become Iowa's top rival. And they've been sitting on that since last season. I mean, let's be honest, the way, you know, the way the tournament uh, or the way the regular season, that was the, for folks that might not remember, mm-hmm. last regular season game was Iowa-Illinois yep. at Illinois. Mm-hmm. Tight game down to the wire. And then, you know, and Iowa ends up losing, but was poised to set and meet them right away in the, in the conference tournament. And then, you know, all hell broke loose. Yeah, absolutely. They've been sitting on that for a a year up until this season. And the other thing that makes a rivalry good is when both teams are really good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Iowa and Iowa and Illinois, both in the top five pretty much all year. Uh, And that, that makes it, that just adds another dimension to the rivalries when you have schools that are just really playing well at the same time. So there's a lot of uh, talk about Big Ten teams in this tournament. You mentioned Illinois. We talked about Iowa. Ohio State is up there in, in, the, in the conversation. And then obviously in Michigan, the other number one seed from the Big Ten. What do you, how do you think the Big Ten shakes out, first of all, as a whole in this tournament? And how far do you believe that Iowa can get? I uh, let's start with the Big Ten, and I thought this past Saturday, uh, in addition to being the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, that could have been a Final Four preview right there. I mean, each of each of those four teams is certainly capable of making a run. They're all in different regions. Uh, they all have the the coaching, frankly. Uh, they all have the matchups, and they have the personnel to get to the Final Four. So. If it was an all Big Ten Final Four, I can't say I'd wake up and be shocked by that. Um, you need three things, I think, to make a deep run and go to the Final Four in this. You need to have you need to have the skill, which you know, obviously, you know, these top four, five, six teams have the personnel and the players to do that. Uh, you need a you need a favorable draw. Um, you know, I think Illinois might have the toughest draw based on some of the teams that are set up in their region, but at the same time, I think they're playing. I think they're the best team in the country right now based on how they're playing. Um, with uh, with Kofi Coburn and Ao and all those guys, they're I don't know who's playing better than Illinois right now, which they're going to need in that region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michigan got a tough break with Livers breaking his foot, uh, and Ohio State's missing guy. But boy, I sat and watched that game uh, on Saturday, and and either one of those. I mean, Ohio State was down 17 points to Illinois, fought all the way back, uh, and I mean that tells you the kind of quality of team they have as well. So. Uh, as far as the rest of it, there's going to be some great matchups. I I personally think we have a matchup, a rematch with Gonzaga, uh, and I think we win that matchup um, for a couple reasons. One, that first time we played them, we lost by 11 on a neutral court where we went four of 22 from deep. Right. And those those nights happen in basketball, uh, and you know, but they're they're not. You know, if you're going to shoot four of 22 
every night out there, you're not going to win 21 games the way Iowa has. Mm-hmm. So uh, I look at that game as more of an aberration. And they've had games where they've had trouble scoring from deep uh, and then have learned to adjust. Uh, I'm glad we played them early in the season when we did, because I think that that shows us how we can match up and, and how we can sort of change what we need to do in order to play and win against some of these top teams. Do you think Iowa lives and dies by the three? Um, only, only if we're packed in the lane on Luca. Um, and that's going to be the key thing is how, how do we adjust offensively? Uh, can we get Luca the ball inside? Uh, because I, I honestly, I mean, I, I've seen this all season, Shelly, and you've seen this too. If you get Luca the ball one-on-one inside, he's going to score. He will yep. score 30 or he could score 30 easily on that. Uh, and if you're going to start collapsing and clogging up the lane and you want to leave guys like Joe Wieskamp, uh, wide open, who I, is shooting the ball unbelievably well. Um, when he came out and hit those five shots in a row against Wisconsin before he got hurt, um, they weren't wide open shots. He had a guy in his face. I mean, he's hitting contested mm-hmm. contested uh, three-pointers and just draining them. So right. um, the nice thing is, do we live and die by the three? Not necessarily, but the nice thing about this team is it's not always the same guy. When you have teams that live and die by the three, it's because they don't have any ability to do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that ability. We can go inside to Luca. Um, we can have, you know, Keegan Murray, boy, what a, He's what amazing. a season that kid has been having. Uh, and just some of the hustle plays and, and the stuff that, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily show up in the statute all the time. He makes plays, uh, having that aspect in there, having Patrick be able to come in and Joe be able to come in. So, um, no, I think we've just got a really well-developed, well-rounded team. To win a tournament like this, to advance, you see it every year. You know, it's, it's why they show one shining moment at the end and, and these the spectacular plays that everyone's going to remember, right? By the way, sidebar, I you do need to work on your lyrics of, <laughs> I mean, sorry, Ryan needs to work on his lyrics of uh, one shining moment. Um, that is like it, to my heart, literally. So people, my, my friends and family make fun out of me every year because I watch that. I live to watch the highlight reel of one shining moment and I cry every single year. Like yep. I can't even get to the ball is tipped and I'm waterworks. Right. <laughs> because the stories that come out, because there's, there are unsung heroes that show up in this tournament and make memories that last a lifetime. Yep. If you had to predict on this Iowa team, who is poised to fill that role, to be that hero, to step up in adversity that maybe we haven't been talking about all year long. You know, I think we saw a smidge of that um, against Illinois when it was the end of the first half. Uh, Kofi Coburn was just, you know, he was unstoppable. We didn't have anybody size-wise to uh, to put up with that. And then you bring literally one of the last guys off the bench in Josh Agundale, uh, and you put him out there and you say, okay, I want you to play defense against Kofi and rebound. Uh, and this is a kid who hasn't played. He's played in a handful of games. He certainly hasn't seen minutes like this in this part of the game, an opponent like Illinois, uh, on national television. And and you're going to go out there and guard a guy who scored 18 points in the first half and get a stop. Um, and that, and he was ready for it and he stepped up and did that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that you can point to a single guy, but if you look at some, what some of the other freshmen have done, our first game at Rutgers this year, Connor gets hurt. We're in foul trouble with our guards. Luke is in foul trouble. And now we have Tony Perkins and Aaron Eulis coming in. 
true freshman. Okay, guys, uh, run the, you know, and at that point, Rutgers is rated and playing really well. Get out there on the road in a conference game and run the show for a little bit. And they didn't just run it. They, they expanded the lead. And I think that's what's so great about not just this Iowa team, but I mean, Riley did that last year at that Illinois game. You know, you needed Riley to come in and play the last two minutes of the first half and, and get a key rebound, get a key stop. Um, and, and that's why I don't think it's just one guy. I think we could go through this tournament uh, and have Josh on one night and have Perk come off the bench in another situation and get that play. Um, because all these guys are ready to go. I mean, it's not like they're going to come in cold and not be ready to play. Those guys are just as ready to play uh, as much as Luca or Jabo or Weezy are every night. I'm, I'm, you, you brought that up. And I was thinking, I was actually even thinking back to when we talked about the potential matchup with Iowa and Oregon and, the, and when they played in, uh, at Madison Square Garden, same thing. Guys had to come yep. in and step up there for them to win that tournament. It was funny though. You mentioned that Illinois game because when Riley was in there and scored was literally wide open under the bucket. It's like he was invisible. And I saw the Illinois coach just, they called a timeout after that. And he just reamed yeah. those guys. But the funny thing is I was like, hey, does does the go-ahead bucket count as the game winner if there's like two minutes left in the game? <laughs> <laughs> um, to that point, though, the other thing that people talk a lot about with this Iowa team is the defensive side of the ball. They've gotten markedly better through the season. Uh, but it's also been kind of the um, the point that people talk about against teams similar to Illinois or teams that really love to go off the bounce. What is your take on Iowa in terms of their ability to defend their way through this tournament? If you look at how, if you look, you know, I'm not a big, I'm aware of Ken Palm and the statistics. I don't get into the stats, um, but they they show a marked improvement in Iowa's defense. Mm-hmm. in you know amount of points they're giving up points per possession points per possession um but just watch them play i mean yeah you've got to sort of go back into a zone uh sometimes but each player has taken it on themselves to guard their man and prevent their man from scoring and help when you can and make sure you're helping and rotating in a timely fashion uh, but you've seen everybody on the floor take man-to-man defense seriously take it you know, take that responsibility of not getting beat to the basket, not giving up an easy shot um, and making sure that if you're going to get a shot, because guys are going to hit shots, no matter how well you guard them, but don't make it easy for them. Uh, and I think, I think that's what you've really seen out of Iowa defense these last few weeks. Another new component, if you will, or, or I guess it's not completely new, but it's expanded big time. And I'm just curious what your take is on this is betting has become like a major deal in college sports right now. And people are getting inundated with apps because now, especially, you know, we're talking about this in the state of Iowa because it's legal now. Are you a betting guy? You know, uh, very, very rarely. I'm not, uh, uh, I've got a friend who, we don't have legalized sports betting in Minnesota where I live, um, but I I obviously friends in Iowa. I'll have them, you know, put down a little bet here and there. Uh, You know, one thing I did do, uh, before the end of the season, or actually last summer, I was out. Uh, I was out in Vegas in June and did some hiking trips out in the desert. Uh, the one bet I did place is I walked in and, and put a hundred dollars down on Iowa to win the national championship at thirty to one. Uh, and if you look at the odds now, it's down to like fifteen or eighteen to one. So uh, nice. I, I, I recognized a bargain when I saw it. Um, <laughs> I think 
sports betting is here to stay, and I think it's only going to get expanded and grow more and more. And it'll be it'll be interesting the type of revenue that's able to generate for states that allow it as well. So I'm looking here uh, at at the lines. Michigan State is a two point favorite um, over UCLA. Mm-hmm. That seems that 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 could be an interesting uh, an interesting game. And then Iowa is given 14 and a half to Grand Canyon. Now, to me, 14 and a half doesn't seem like a lot of points for a 15 seed. So I think what what is eerily crazy to me and with these these betting lines is how accurate they are. Absolutely. Like, like they know something in advance. <laughs> well, it's interesting it's pretty- because you see these, you know, you see, you know, wild swings sometimes and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what the point spread there tells you is, yeah, they're a 15 seed, but they're a good team. Um, right. That's, it's not going to be a blowout. Like, like those sort of, um, those early round matchups uh, have a tendency to be sometimes. So, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I don't think any of those guys on the teams, on any team really looks at the line and goes, oh, okay, well, we're favored by this yeah. much. Um, what they're focused on is watching the film. Uh, and practicing scenarios and going up against a scout team and doing those stops. Um, but, but yeah, the line's there now. It's really interesting, too, how the main, you know, it used to be taboo to talk about sports betting, especially in broadcasting. Yeah. You're probably more aware of this mm-hmm. than I. Um, mm-hmm. But, now, I mean, ESPN has an entire show every day just on gambling <laughs> uh, to, to yeah. sort of show you where that's developed and grown from. So uh, it's interesting. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, when there's money to be made, things find a way to hang around, right? Yep. So let's talk Absolutely. about, let's shift the conversation and talk about the nightlife that you and Ryan have been experiencing in Indy. <laughs> well, I, uh, so he, somebody asked me the whole genesis of this. And um, there's a site called the Player's Trunk where uh, athletes who have, have exhausted their eligibility uh, are now free to sell their own gear without, you know, getting in trouble with the NCAA or anybody else. And I found this site, and Ryan had a number of things uh, for sale, but including uh, one of his old game-worn jerseys. And I'm like, I, that's cool. I want that. I collect that Iowa stuff. So I got it, and I was trying to figure out a way to display it in my house because I've got a, I've got like a signed uh, Ricky Stansy football jersey that's framed and hanging up. And I'm like, oh, I, I could do that, but I want to do something a little different. Um, and so on Twitter one day, I saw somebody that had a number of hockey jerseys on display on mannequins, like mannequin torsos. I'm like, well, that's a cool idea because then you can see the whole jersey and it's not just pressed up on a wall somewhere. So then my next struggle was, well, where do you find a mannequin? Um, so, <laughs> you know, you go I was going to ask that question. Well, so I go on eBay and I look for like a torso or something. And I'm like, well... It's not quite what I'm looking for. I don't know how. You kind of have to be careful what you go- what you search. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, a friend of mine uh, who knew I was looking for this said, "Hey, my wife's the mall, and there's a clothing store that's going out of business. They're selling mannequins. Do you want one?" I'm like, "Yes." So, <laughs> uh, and and so when I was in Iowa City a week and a half ago, they brought the mannequin over. We carried it through the hotel lobby, uh, and I got the matching shorts for it. And so I'm like, "Okay, now I can put the jersey on it." And I thought, you know what, because Ryan and Riley, for that matter, you know, those guys didn't get to have a Big Ten tournament or NCAA tournament last year. 
Uh, and by God, I'm going to take Ryan Craner to Indianapolis with me for the long haul. So that's where it started. You know, I posted a picture of it, and, and that's where it started. And then when I posted a video of Frank and I driving over, and you can see the legs sticking in the background. And somebody commented <laughs> on it. And I'm like, okay, well, what else can I do with this? What else can we do? And, and where it really took off was I, I came into the apartment. I threw my sweatshirt down. And you could just see the arms sticking out. It, it looked really funny. So I'm like, oh, mannequin Ryan Creener must have had a rough night last night. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I, I will take an idea and run with it. Uh, it got me thinking, okay, well, what else can we have, Ryan, you know, Mannequin Ryan Crater doing since we're, we're here at Indianapolis with the whole thing? Uh, and after, after the game where we lost to Illinois, uh, there's a little bar and grill in the, uh, the first level uh, of the building that I'm staying in. I thought, okay, well, we got to take him down there uh, and have him get a beer. And I'm, I'm fully dressed, jumpsuit, and I'm carrying uh, the mannequin through the lobby, and I walk past the security guard. He just looked at me, his face didn't change. And I said, I'm guessing this is the last thing you expected to see this morning when you got up. He's like, it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I and think... then the one shining moment that, you know, once you start singing that song, it gets in your head. And, and I jumped up and, and decided, okay, well, I got to sing with the mannequin here. And then uh, one of my friends who's here with me started filming it. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, I have to post that now. The really funny thing about that is the guy who wrote that song commented on it too. The guy who wrote One Shining Moment saw Are you video. kidding me? No, I'm serious. It was great. So, That's awesome. So uh, I, I have a whole host of uh, the continuing adventures of uh, Mannequin Ryan Crater. And, and somebody said, you know, what they want to see is like after the tournament, you know, uh, they want to see Mannequin Ryan Crater doing his taxes and, you know, <laughs> washing the dishes and stuff like that. So uh, it's been it's been fun, and uh, if you can't if you can't take a mannequin and put an Iowa jersey on it and have some fun with it, I don't know what you know what's the point, right? Exactly. Enjoy life. I I had I've had this thought, and I'm just going to share it with you, Please. because everybody knows um, Ryan as Big Cat, right? Yep. So all the guys call him Big Cat. Mm -hmm. So I think it should you should you now that the March Madness is here, mannequin should be could be transformed into mannequin. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> That's very good. That's Manicat. very good. Manicat, Ryan Creener. Um, there you go. So you mentioned Frank Garza is there as well. Yes. You guys are, are there for the duration, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love. Um, think it's awesome. That's a highlight, right, of, of being in COVID. You can work from anywhere. Yes. So so have 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 you and Manicat in, been involved in any of Frank's meditation practices in Indy? Uh, I haven't. Uh, not yet. Um, but I know that, uh, I know that he leads, uh, you know, there's a number of, uh, guys in the Iowa team who do daily meditation with him. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. and then he does that personally himself. Um, and, and it's funny because somebody asked, well, how do you, how do you and Frank Garza get to be friends? Um, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's the same way that you and I have been uh, able to connect is because I've occasionally been able to sit, uh, with parents at Iowa games mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you sit there and talk with them and get to know them. And, uh, you know, you know this, Shelly. It's just, it's you're there watching your kid. And you want your kid to do well and uh, be there and support uh, support them. Uh, and when you have a guy like Frank, who's got kind of a big personality, uh, and you have a guy like me who uh, likes to dress up like Elvis, um, you know, we're, you know, we're just sort of drawn to each other's personalities sometimes. And uh, you just... You just hit it off with certain people sometimes, and that's uh, that's the way Frank and I have been. And so, 
uh, he had this idea to like, you know, oh, we should all, we should all get a place in Indy for the month. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and I'm like, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I was talking to my, I was talking to my wife about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've got a hotel room in Indy. And it's like, but Frank talked about getting a place. It's like, do it. I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, go down there, work remotely and, and, and do that. You'll never have this opportunity again. So I'm like, okay. So here I am in Indianapolis. That's awesome. I, I, you just mentioned your wife. So yes. I, I'm just going to say uh, all this time, I thought you were like Norm and Vera. I didn't know you had a wife. <laughs> <laughs> she, so it's funny because, you know, well, what did she come with? I'm like, well, she's not, uh, she, she is a sports fan. Um, mm-hmm. And she's always like, you know, there's some, there's always a bigger Iowa fan. She's going to take a ticket away from someone who would really enjoy oh. and really love yeah. going to the game. Um, and she travels a lot herself. She's a, a business speaker and, and travels and speaks internationally. And that's her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and going to Iowa games is my thing. And <laughs> um, then we have times where, okay, let's go somewhere together. So now that, now that travel is uh, going to start opening back up, we've got a, a trip to Machu Picchu uh, coming up this fall, which I've always wanted to go to and she's wanted to go to. So uh, we've, we've got some, uh, some fun adventures ahead. Speaking of traveling, for Hawkeye fans that might want to travel to Indy, uh, I know tickets are at a premium given the capacity issues, but what, what, did, what are things like in Indy? Can people go out? Are, there, are the bars open? Are there Hawkeye watches for people that might not be able to get into the actual game? Um, there Which are, might the bars, be me. <laughs> sure. Uh, the bars and restaurants are open. Uh, they're doing limited capacity, so they're not, they're not seating people right close next to one another. Uh, Lots of mask mandates uh, still in, in businesses and whatnot. Um, but they've got, you know, on, on nice days like this weekend supposed to be here. Um, the patio dining and patio uh, sort of bar scene is really nice. And I've never been, you know, I've been to Indianapolis once for the uh, Big Ten football game. Uh, and just flew in, went to the game, and then left. But I'd never had a chance to walk around and experience downtown Indy. It's a great, yeah, it is. great city for walking around and um you know, you've got the fountain. Uh, we're we're right in between the Capitol and the fountain, and some of the things over there, uh, and just yeah, it, it's fantastic. And and there are certainly lots of places to uh, to pull up stakes and watch uh, the games uh, that are going on here. I'm actually I'm, I'm Frank and I are going to go see uh, uh, Florida Virginia Tech on Friday up at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. I'm looking forward to to seeing Cordell play uh, yes. in person with his Hokies. And uh, but yeah, there's there's lots of places to go if you're coming to town. The weather's going to be great. Uh, dining outside is certainly an option. Again, it's, it's limited capacity in just about everywhere, but um, they're excited to have, you could tell this mm. town is excited to have people come to it. You could feel that energy in the air. Absolutely. And I can vouch for, uh, they, they, Indianapolis knows how to put on an event like this. Now, granted, it's a, a lot more people, but I, you know, have spent years there with the Big Ten and with Iowa women's basketball at the Big Ten tournaments. And it's always just such an enjoyable experience because to your point, you literally can park your car and walk everywhere. And everyone is, it's that energy. And and I think especially this year, you're going to see that even more so. People are just so happy that March Madness is back, that basketball is here, that we can finally get in the, in the arena or we can go to a sports bar and, and watch it and cheer for our favorite teams. And I, you know, I said this last year when this all ended, um, Sport is that thing that brings everybody together. And I think it's, you know, the fact that when sport ended last year, 
that's when it hit everyone that this is this is serious and this is real. Right. And, Absolutely. And so, you know, it's kind of like sports started at the end of sports started this, and now sports is bringing everyone back together again. It really is. It really is. It's been great. All right. So my last question for you, Hawkeye Elvis, because this is called wait, it's over here. Too much grit to quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always ask everybody, when you hear the word grit, what does it mean to you? Uh, to me, it means determination. To me, it means you're going to, to reach down deep inside yourself, either mentally or physically, and, and fight and push to achieve something that you want to set out to accomplish. Um, it's not something that is easy. Grit and the word easy are not associated with one another. Um, you know, without... Uh, you know, the other thing that grit is not associated with is something that's, you know, oh, uh, without trials or tribulations. You don't get that uh, with the word grit. Um, it's dirty. It's mean. You got to fight sometimes. Um, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. And because uh, if it wasn't worth it, the, uh, you know, why would you fight to do it? And to me, that's what that that sort of wraps up that's what the word grit does. So given that definition, which was beautifully put, I might add, what, who is a person or a story that exemplifies that? Well, uh, and this is, this is something that I just, uh, you know, was brought uh, to my attention this week. So a friend of mine reached out mm -hmm. and said, hey, um, this guy goes to our church and his son has got cancer for the second time. And they're huge Iowa basketball fans. Uh, would you mind? Well, the first thing he asked me was, was after the game, he said, did you already change out of your Hawkeye Elvis outfit? And I said, yeah, but I can put it back on. That's, that's a piece of cake. So he's like, would you mind just shooting a, a little video and tell him to, hey, good luck and, and keep fighting? I said, absolutely. 100% I'll do that. So I did that and I sent it to the dad. The dad was just so appreciative of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, you know what? Send me a picture of, his name's Aaron. I said, send me a picture of Aaron. Uh, and I want to uh, to get as much support online as I can for him. Because here's a kid, not only had to go through cancer once, you think it's gone and now it's back. And man, there is no one with more grit uh, than somebody who's who's fighting cancer, especially a kid and especially a kid for, uh, you know, the second time around. So dad sent me a picture um, and I, you know, I was just, the, I was the courier. I was the conduit. I said, hey, here's a Hawkeye fan who loves, loves the Hawks, loves basketball, um, you know, here's how you can support him. You know, and his dad had said, well, make a donation to the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, and I said, listen, you know, do that for where they're staying. Uh, but the nice thing about that is you can, you can do that in your own community. If you live on the East or West Coast or somewhere else, there's someone in that situation who can need help. Uh, and I was just, I was blessed and fortunate to have the ability uh, to spread that message and and i've been talking with the dad back and forth a couple of the players had sent him messages which just meant the world to him um and and there's nothing better and you know this from being a parent there's nothing better than when you see your kids having a tough time and you see something that automatically just erases that and brings them joy and and i'm i'm just happy that i was able to act as a conduit and make those connections yeah, that small, those small little gestures mean the world um, more so than, than people realize. How can listeners get on board and help Aaron out? 
Ronald, you know, find the uh, find the Ronald McDonald House in their community. Um, in this particular one, if they want to, I'll leave a note for Aaron. Uh, they're at the one in Minneapolis. Um, I know he's uh, uh, having kind of a tough week, and uh, uh, he's got uh, a big a big week at the end of it here, where he's uh, getting a bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, so just just keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, if you could donate and help out, they're great. If you could donate or help out in your own community, you know, do that as well. And he, that story's posted on your Twitter, right? Why don't you share uh, share how people can follow you, um, what your Twitter tw Twitter handle is, et cetera. I am, I am at Hawkeye Elvis. Uh, if you type in Hawkeye Elvis into any browser, uh, for better or for worse, you're gonna find me either in or out of my costume. Uh, and, and certainly I'm, I'm posted enough and I'm uh, around the, uh, the social media enough that it uh, shouldn't take you too long to find me. So do you have any uh, special dances or, or anything uh, in the in the works for this March Madness? Oh, I've got a couple. Um, and uh, if you keep uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter feed because I've got a couple things uh, planned for uh, the duration here. So uh, I'll, I'll tease it with that, but just know that uh, hopefully you'll still uh, get a laugh out of it. All right, well, Hawkeye Elvis, thanks for taking time out of your day, um, talking Hawkeye hoops with us, and we can't wait to cheer on our Iowa Hawkeyes in Indianapolis. And just thanks for being here. I appreciate you having me on, Shelly. Thank you. That's a wrap for this edition of Too Much Grit to Quit on Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Shelly Till. Please join me again the next time and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.